gospel says to our conscience, silence. The gospel says to Satan, silence. Right. The gospel says uh, to our guilt, to the to the own our own accusations, mm-hmm. silence. Mm-hmm. The gospel, the great gospel of Jesus Christ, that He took the penalty for that sin and it's washed Amen. away. All right. Uh, welcome back to A Word of Grace. Uh, today is Friday, and today is the day we're going to finish our study on the whole Christ. Uh, we're actually wrapping up this whole week, which we've been talking about assurance of salvation, how uh, our right thinking about the law and the gospel leads us to have assurance, and we want to finish that today. And then next week, um, we begin a new study uh and we've announced what the book is, but just in case you want to follow along, it's called It Is Well by Mark Dever, and it's really a series of sermons on uh, the work of Christ on the cross. So that'll be a, a two- or three-week study for us and, and a good one. But we want to finish this one, and uh, it's coming to an end, Derek. Um, what would you say What would you say is maybe a top one or two takeaway that you've, just in general from this book, you can say, man, I read this book, and here's, here's an application that I'm taking away. Well, number one would be uh, how to actually present the gospel in a way that uh, people would understand that there is absolutely nothing that they can do to, uh, use my word, curry favor with God, but that uh, they have to uh, trust and believe in Christ wholeheartedly. And, of course, they will have to repent, but it's even God that gives them the ability to do that. Uh, that that would be a big one. And then uh, secondly, uh, as we talk about assurance, you know, assurance has a tendency to ebb and flow. Uh, and it's just a blessing to know that uh, I, uh, going uh, trying to go back to what uh, Ferguson said about obedience being a, a, an assurance magnet. I think those are my two takeaways. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's probably a book that, I'll pick up again in a year and a half and just skim through to remind myself of what we've learned. Um, and in talking about assurance, these last two episodes and then today, assurance is probably another another topic or another book that we could mm-hmm. tackle in six to eight months because I think it is something that a lot of people go through. We we enjoyed last Wednesday's. It's been a while since we've recorded, but last Wednesday's uh, podcast on the spirit crying Abba Father in mm-hmm. our hearts and right. the ability that we have to uh, to call upon him as Father, where unbelievers will just say, oh, you know, oh, God, help me. They they won't say, oh, Father, right. and that itself is a, pr- is a mm-hmm. proof of salvation. But we move on to this last chapter now, which is called Hindrances Strew Along the Way, or All the Way, rather, which is a, a quote from, uh, isn't it from the Wesley brothers, uh, John Wesley? Um, but Ferguson uses it as... Uh, a discussion of the obstacles that are mm-hmm. that are in the way of assurance. You you used a great phrase there. Assurance ebbs and flows, and these are reasons maybe why it does that. Right. Uh, he lists. I I got six. Is that what you yeah, got? It was Did you get six, six or seven? Six or I, seven. I, I, okay. Yeah. So that's what we want to talk about for these fifteen minutes or so is factors that lead to lack of assurance. And one thing that began uh, was said last time and kind of reiterated in this one is that it, assurance is a theological issue, but it's also a psychological issue yes, that there is. may, 
you've talked a lot about, and we have on the podcast about our temperament or disposition. It seems mm-hmm. like almost every book we've read has has uh, involved that topic in mm-hmm. some way. Like I, I usually say, the way we're wired right. has something to do. What would you say about that? Like, is it, I guess we're saying that you could be wired in such a way that you might struggle with assurance more than someone else who just happens to have a different temperament or a different disposition? Absolutely. I think that some people who are wired uh, in their temperament, uh, I don't want to say they are negative people, but uh, just as a matter of course, they have a tendency to always struggle with, well, does God really love me? Or is my salvation real? Where some folks who are wired a different way, they, I just don't struggle with that at all, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. very little. Yeah. Do you have a, examining yourself, do you feel like you have a temperament that is more, uh, that leans more towards questioning or doubting? You know, I, in the past I would say that, but, I, I, you know, things have changed somewhat for me, so I think it's a combination of temperament and growth okay. to where... Uh, before, I used to really struggle with, well, does God love me, or or is my salvation real, or will I actually go to heaven? But I think that the Word of God has has kind of uh, saturated my mind and my heart in such a way to where I do struggle from time to time, but not in a in a major way. Yeah, I I would say the same thing. Maybe I haven't grown as much as you have in that because I I do feel like I am really wired that way and. My family would laugh, like, when we leave the house, if I feel like someone's left the oven on. I, we went to a concert last fall at Judah's school, and I sat through the whole concert convinced the house was burning down because mm. I had made something in the stove. Uh-huh. I, I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, I don't know what it It doesn't matter what it was. But I, So I thought, man, I'm pretty sure I left the stove on, and we're too far away to go back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the concert thinking, I left the stove on and the house is burning down. I know it is. And, and I'm kind of wired to that type of worry, let's mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. And so that has... So guys like this, and Lloyd-Jones, I think, said the same thing about temperament in that right. way, and Ferguson's now saying, that's helpful to know about yourself, I think, okay. don't you? Don't yeah, you think I, it's good I, for a I person to... I think it's to, very helpful, but at the same thing, uh, at the same time, I remember Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, saying that even with a particular temperament, we need to learn to master that temperament in Christ. We shouldn't settle for saying, well, that's just the way that I am, because that can be very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, people won't strive to go beyond what they feel if they just rely upon, well, that's just the way that I am. I, that was very well said. I, I appreciate that. You, you say things so well, and you're such an encouragement to me, but what you said there rebukes me because it's almost it is almost like yes it's important to identify yourself as a person who thinks that way or acts that way but not a person who then says well that's just the way it is and it's never going to change so identifying it is one thing but growing from it Mm -hmm. or maybe we could say growing out of that temperament and putting our confidence in the word of god is is really the goal so we we said there were six or maybe seven I'm, Mm -hmm. i'm not sure how many we got six or seven of these hindrances, uh, why don't you, why don't you take the lead on it just by introducing what you have, and then we'll make some comments okay, about the, each one as we go. The the first comment I'd like to make is what uh, Ferguson said before actually introducing these. Okay. Uh, he said, "Tongue in cheek, Satan is not an Arminian. 
Uh, he knows that believers can't lose their salvation, so he attacks us in the area of assurance. So we need to keep that in mind. Uh, but the first hindrance uh, he uh, enumerates is we confuse the foundation of our salvation with the superstructure of our salvation. In other words, if we don't understand that our justification is complete, we are likely to attempt to add to our salvation, but it cannot be added to. Okay. Let me see. I was thinking about this. Uh, I've been watching a lot of these This Old House episodes Mm -hmm. with Leah on TV, and oftentimes one of the first things they do when they examine the house is they look at the foundation. Mm -hmm. Is the foundation solid? Because if they can put their screwdriver in the wood and it rots, they go, oh, we've got to replace this, because if the foundation is bad, then the structure is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. So in the metaphor that Ferguson is using, would you say that the foundation is justification, and what is built upon it is sanctification. And for us to have right assurance, we have to we have to know that the foundation is not our sanctification type of thing. That's right, because if you're relying on your on sanctification as your foundation, then ultimately you're relying upon human efforts and your own works. Yeah, because the foundation. If we're if we're speaking in the metaphor, and I hope people can follow what I'm saying, because maybe I can't even follow it in my own mind. But if we imagine the foundation as a as of a house as like a concrete slab, okay, and that's justification, and that's the work of Christ. In the metaphor, that foundation is perfect and solid. Right. It will never rot mm-hmm. because the work of mm-hmm. Christ is perfect. Right. And needs nothing added to it. Mm-hmm. Now, the building that we build on it, we we could say is almost like the First Corinthians three, where we're building our works. Our could be hay or stubble or, right. or you precious know. stones. Yeah. Right. So that so that's our sanctification. But sometimes that building may, in the course of our lives, as we're dipping into sin or growing. If or we're under lo- attack by Satan. Okay, and if we're looking at the building instead of the foundation, mm-hmm. we could start to say, oh man, maybe I'm not saved, because the building looks bad. That's right. And st- I That's talked right. about that for a long time, but I hope... Does that make sense oh, to you? It, it makes okay. sense to me, and it also encourages my heart, because it takes the onus off of us. Uh, our foundation is established by our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is that foundation. That's a firm foundation. And so what Ferguson is saying is that a lack of assurance comes is when we we invert those two things. Yes, yes. So the right thing to do for the Christian in the beginning of assurance is to remember that the foundation is Jesus alone and his work on the cross. Okay. Okay, another one? Yeah, let's do another one. Okay, another one is an inconsistent obedience, and we've talked about this quite a bit. If we live in a way that is not consistent with the gospel, we shouldn't expect to have assurance because we forfeited it. Yeah, that's pretty Mm self-explanatory, isn't it? The idea of, this is what 1 John talks about. 1 John is a book written to believers that they might know that they have eternal life, and the words that are used are practice, walk, habit, all of us, I think, I've, I know we've said it on the podcast before, but uh, one thing that you've always said is that is helpful is that the the believer lapses into sin and loathes it, where the unbeliever leaps into sin and loves right. it. So a, a Christian shouldn't expect to have assurance if he is living in a pattern of unconfessed right. sin. Mm-hmm. And that I think that goes without saying, doesn't yeah, it? And, and even in that, 
we are blessed because even though we've lost assurance, we haven't lost salvation. Yeah. We are eternally secure, once again, because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's a verse that maybe we'll mention in another one of these categories, but it's in First John 3, and before we turned on the mics, you were talking to me about this, about if our hearts condemn us, mm-hmm. God is greater than our hearts. our hearts. So even it's possible for a person to really be struggling with assurance and be saved. Yes, and that's not what God's design mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. but it's also possible for a person to think they're saved and to, to not be saved. We talked about that on the last time. But pattern of obedience. Okay, okay. good one. The third one is the misunderstanding of affliction and suffering. Uh, and he says, we need to be physicians of our souls and to others and realize that the problem may be deeper. Many Christians will tell you that they are sure, and I really like this, uh, sure that they are Christians because of the blessings God bestows upon them. Blessings are a poor gauge for assurance because these could simply be the benefits of God's common grace, which is bestowed upon all men. Then he gives this warning. If you base your assurance on the providence of God rather than the promises of God, in the scriptures, when the providence seems not to be present, so goes your, assur- your assurance. You are bound to lose the sense of his love if you're trusting in those blessings. Mm-hmm. Prosperity gospel has really encouraged that, haven't mm-hmm. they? You know, like the idea of if something's going wrong in your life, it must be because you're not saved. That's right, or you have a lack of faith. You know, some in these categories I struggle with. This this one I've never really dealt mm-hmm. with in the personal. I would have say you? the same thing. No, and I'm no. not saying that if our listeners are dealing with that, that maybe mm-hmm. maybe they are, but we ought not look at providence in our life as a sign of salvation. Right. Uh, you know, whether good or bad things are happening to us, because we live in a world that is cursed by sin and. Mm-hmm. I could be driving home tonight and a drunk driver just as a result sure. of sin. Doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm not saved. Um, you know, I, I was diagnosed with a disease. Uh, I came down with COVID or cancer or diabetes, and now God must not love. I mean, that's never been a struggle for me, but I'm not trying to minimize that if it is a struggle for others. But God's God's providence is is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't <clears throat> But, but the prosperity gospel is, is preaching the exact opposite, right? Right, exactly. And yep. then I think about modern evangelism has done uh, many people a great disservice in that they say things such as, God has such a great plan for your life or a good plan for your life. Well, that may not necessarily be true. Now, we studied a book, uh, I think it was three books ago, uh, uh, as far as uh, Jim Elliott uh, going uh, to Ecuador uh, and... He was killed at what was he twenty seven yeah. years old? Yeah, uh, this man was was serving the Lord and, and and taking the gospel to the lost, and yet he was killed. Does that mean that God didn't have a good plan for his? Mm-hmm. That God had a good plan for his life? Yeah. So we can't uh, use as a gauge those supposedly positive things that are happening in our lives, because sometimes it's in the midst of the fiery furnace that God is showing the greatness of his love towards us. It seems like assurance is really about having the right focus. Yes. Like in the first thing about the foundation, it was like, I got to focus on my justification, have insurance, focus on Christ, Mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. And here it's like, you don't focus on 
your circumstances right. for salvation mm-hmm. or for assurance of salvation. All right, give us the next one. We okay, still have a few more the, to go. Let's see. The next one, uh, let me move on down the line here. Uh, the Let's see. Let me make sure I've got this correct here. Uh, he says, t- well, I have to stop and think here a minute. I've got that it's go, go something ahead, about sin's I'm... guilt and power over us. Okay, go ahead. That a, that a believer who becomes a Christian and then realizes he still struggles with sin and says, wait a minute, I was expecting that this was all going to be passed, right. um, or the guilt of sin that comes and the inability maybe to get over sin, but but it's more like the struggle or wrestling with sin, and Paul speaks to that in Romans 7 about the the consistent struggle that sin brings, but a yes. but a person who just kind of enters the faith and doesn't realize that sin's struggle isn't over might might think, well, I'm, maybe I'm not saved because I was saved. Let's say a person gets saved and and uh, they were struggling with uh, with uh, you know I don't know they were struggling with greed or uh, lying uh, prior to being saved. They were just habitually practicing these sins. And then they get saved, and they realize a month later that they still struggle with those right, sins. Right, they, they expect, right. wait a minute, that those mm-hmm. things should have been gone, and they're not, and they say, maybe I'm not really saved. Right. Uh, uh, the way he puts it, um, I don't know if you just said this or not, but he said, uh, a radical transformation lends to the tendency to think that this is what the Christian life is like. Mm-hmm. In other words, the Lord snatches you from the jaws of, of sin uh, in the initial stages of your salvation, and you automatically assume that, well, this whole thing is easy, so anytime a problem comes up, I've got this because I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. And and the idea of, of sin still being present with us, that's the that's the blessing of glorification, is one day it won't be. Um, mm-hmm. All right, we what, a couple more here? Uh, I, oh, I'm going now. Yeah, you're you're turning it over to me? Because I think I, I messed my notes up a little Okay, bit. all I have are, the, the last two I have are attacks of the devil and negligence. Right. Are those okay. the two that you yeah, have? I have that. Okay, uh, attacks of the devil that Satan. Um, well, you mentioned this at the start that mm-hmm. Satan cannot well, steal our salvation, mm-hmm. but he can mm-hmm. kind of attack us on the way to right. heaven. Type exactly. Of thing. Uh, and like John Calvin made the statement, Satan seeks to drive saints to madness by despair. And I like what Ferguson came up with. He said, "The devil deals in guilt." Edged stock and guilt, G I L T, mm-hmm. not G U I L T, and that's a Britain British expression. Guilt stock, uh, guilt edged stock is stock on the stock market that is bound to do well, and so you should invest in it. So Satan is trying to get you to invest in these wrong thoughts as far as assurance. So he deals in guilt, G U I L T, edge stock. Uh, because that's his stock and trade. What he does is as long as he can keep you paralyzed, he can keep you shackled with guilt, then you can't function. But Romans 8 and 1 tells us that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Robert Murray McShane went on to say, for every look you take at yourself in your need, take 10 looks at Jesus. And that has to be the remedy. We have to remember that Satan is going to bring all types of guilt and, and, and accusations. Uh, and he's going to level them at you because that's who he is. He's the accuser of the brethren. But I like what McShane is saying. He's saying, don't look at yourself. 
Continue to look at Jesus Christ because the moment you look at yourself, then you will falter and you will have absolutely no assurance. Yeah, honestly, you know, of the of the of the factors that he brings up, this is kind of the bullseye for me and probably mm-hmm. for a lot of people is the feeling like uh, and I think we talked about this in the in the spiritual depression, the inability to get past sins, even though they're mm-hmm. forgiven and under the blood and all the terms that the Bible uses, they're cast into the depths of the sea, they're as far as the east is from the west, but Satan has them as bullets in his guilt yes. gun, in a yes. sense, and continues to shoot those. Um, the solution was you expressed is to look to Christ. And again, right. it's a focus thing, right? Absolutely. Focus on self or focus on Christ. Um, and, uh, Ferguson also talks about a, a, a remedy as it relates to your conscience. Okay. He says, the conscience sometimes condemns us, and many believers tell you, you must always listen to your conscience. But he gives this caveat. Your conscience is not the word of God. Hmm. Your conscience needs to be cleansed by the word of God. I listen to my conscience insofar as my conscience conforms to the word of God. So the encouragement then is when my conscience condemns me, it does not offer me hope, forgiveness, or new beginnings, but the gospel does. The gospel says to my conscience, silence in the presence of Jesus Christ. Condemn him no more. It is that silence Assurance begin. It is in that silence. Assurance begins to be revived, and that's so true. Again, we are saying, uh, yeah, we're supposed to uh, listen to our conscience. But if our conscience isn't aligned in alignment with the Word of God, then you shouldn't be listening to it. I like. We we've talked over these last few weeks as we've studied this book about the solution to legalism and the solution to antinomianism being the gospel. And what you just said is so good. Like the gospel, no, I forgot the way you put it. The God, the gospel says to our conscience, shut up? Or what, yeah, what is, what is silence it? Silence in silence. the presence of Jesus the, Christ. The, the gospel says to our conscience, silence. The gospel says to Satan, silence. Right. The gospel says uh, to our guilt, to the to the own our own accusations, mm-hmm. silence. Mm-hmm. The gospel the great gospel of Jesus Christ, that he took the penalty for that sin and it's washed Amen. away, uh, is a truth that I need to well, hold on to. The gospel is the healing balm of Gilead, for sure. Uh, you know, we can put every other salve that we want on this wound of, of the lack of assurance and guilt and the rest, but it's only the gospel that's going to not only free us, but it's going to soothe us. Yeah. You know what, let's leave it at that. We're at 23 minutes. We could say some other things, but I think that's a good way to end, and a good way to end the book, a good way to end the week, Uh, just a good thing to end on here. Again, um, as always, we've enjoyed talking about this particular subject. We're going to move on to um, the theme of Christ's substitutionary atonement for us in the next couple of weeks. We'll be on that for three weeks, and then uh, we'll alert you to our next study. But Please pass it on to other people uh, if it's been a help to you. It's just Derek and I sitting up here in the upper room in the church just uh, trying to be an encouragement to you. Um, We hope you have a good weekend. Uh, Hope you're faithful uh, at your local church. And we look forward to, if the Lord is willing, 
being back with you again here on the podcast on Monday. God bless.